Hey folks, welcome to Pro Football Ireland. Monday morning slash PM football this week. Michael McQuaid. Can I just firstly apologise to everybody? I put it in the PFI members Discord. Just, just impossible to get a podcast out on Sunday. Um, it would be unfair to ask Michaela to host the podcast herself. That wouldn't have been fair in any way, shape, or form for anyone to host the podcast themselves. But um, we couldn't even get something done on the way to the airport or in a press conference. So appreciate that. Probably a one-off. Uh, and if it's not, it'll happen next week. And that's going to be it for the season. But we're here now and we're going to talk about a few interesting things on what was, frankly, a really, really interesting NFL Sunday. Um, Michael McQuaid, delighted to be joined, as always, uh, by Michaela Fagan. Michaela, how is the form down in, uh, I, would say it's, I would say sunny Dublin, but uh, it probably isn't. No, yeah, it's really starting to kick into winter, but at least we have football to keep us entertained and warm and cosy. It's great when there's international games on because you can literally sit on the sofa all day or if you're more inclined to go out, you can sit out in the pub all day with a few beers, a bit of food and just watch you know, 15 hours for f- of football. And then when Red Zone starts, it's, what is this, seven hours of commercial free football? A lot hours. of hours. A lot of hours, so yeah, I was very happy with the weekend that we had a game in Germany that I could start the day early watching football. I'll bring this up with you because I'll probably bring it up with Jeff, which is going on Tuesday on the podcast. Um, talk about the game in a second, but I read Peter King's article this morning and he mentioned the fact that we'll probably see Madrid and Paris and Brazil over the next few years, but he mentioned Dublin twice. Um, I think any fan in Ireland, north or south of the border, would be very happy to hear that news. Uh, seems to be picking up pace. Do you reckon it's this podcast or just general? I'm joking, by the way. <laughs> like to think of those. Ah, it's us. Definitely us. 100%. That's it. That's the only reason. Uh, it, just, it was just really... It was, I was reading it this morning, and I read it every Monday morning, because it's like I wake up and I'm like, it all was online for like 7 a.m. our time. I'm like, I'm going to read this. And to see Dublin, I was like, hold on, what? And then I read it again, I was like, oh my God, it's nuts. So fair play to him. Um, before we go into details, um, I had to watch a lot of the early window back for, obviously I was rolling like, a, like, a, like an absolute Egypt. I ended up, shout out to Lufthansa, I got Wi-Fi in the plane, I was watching all these games, and then I listened to the third and fourth quarter of the Cowboys-Eagles game on the radio on the way home. So shout out to... Our guy Christian Scotland Williamson and the team on Five Live really, really enjoyed that. Michaela, what was the for you as someone who talks about the sport and also as a fan? Like, what was the one thing that you enjoyed most about the week nine Sunday slate yesterday? It actually kind of might sound odd, but you see, I've only started to watch NFL Red Zone this season, and don't get me wrong, like I I love it and it's great that you can see what's happening in every game and it's great that there's no ads but the highlight of my Sunday was actually getting to watch down I'll sit down and watch a game fully kind of from start to end and that was with the Eagles and the Cowboys obviously I'm an Eagles fan I was very happy that they'd had such a big game on in one of the earlier slots at the 9.25 slot for us so I got to actually sit down and watch that from beginning to end and I actually forgot how much I enjoy football from you know watching a a full game through because you know I wouldn't feel like that if I was watching for example one there was one game that was really like the Browns and Cardinals you know that was a shutout for the Browns and they scored high points but in a sense of if you're watching a low scoring game it's not fun to watch one game only but if it's a high scoring game like the 
Cowboys and the Eagles was. It's very entertaining to watch. And like the Chiefs and the Dolphins, it, I was just happy to get to see two full games and red zone on top of that um, for the week nine slate. That's a really interesting point. Like I'm a massive red zone lad, to be honest with you. Like I, I love red zone, but there's times, as you know what it is, I don't because we haven't even talked about this part, like one-to-one, like even on WhatsApp or whatever. When I listened to the commentary of Eagles-Cowboys, it sounded on the radio like a playoff game. It was just electric. But the biggest takeaway for me, Michaela, was, well, first off, as a neutral, in the NFC East, when you get teams challenge, and you need as many teams to challenge in the NFC as possible, frankly, as far as I'm concerned at the minute with the way the AFC is going, you know, the Cowboys were, <laughs> all these flags at the end, they had a serious opportunity to go and win that game, and they couldn't do it. Um, now, I don't believe it's firmly on the quarterback, but the Eagles were there for the taking at the end. Even if if they had lost the game, I like I was even I was already analyzing the result in my head before it even happened. I was like, well, if the Eagles lose this game, I'm not that concerned because they're a high high they're they're a high tempo team, they're a hard a high powered offense, and they'll consistently be like that throughout the season. But that was a game for the Cowboys to really try and make a statement. I actually am not that concerned. At the moment with Dallas, I think they're going a bit of a run now. What they need to do is win in January. But a really entertaining game, all the same for both sets of fans and for neutrals. Yeah, I was kind of getting a bit worried at the end watching, you know, the the Eagles give up. You know, I think Hassan Reddick gave up a, a penalty flag towards the end. I think he was roughing the passer. You know, that obviously moved him up 15 yards if that was the penalty. And then... You know, you're kind of looking at this and you're like, okay, well, they're on the 10-yard line or the 15-yard line. They only need a touchdown, like, and they win and there's only, like, 20 seconds left. But then the Cowboys obviously got a penalty themselves and they got moved back five yards. So it kind of, you know, we're I the Eagles were blessed in a sense that they were lucky that the, the Cowboys suffered a few penalties and, you know, that kind of ended the game. Um, but it was very, very entertaining and it was kind of what you want to see from two of the best teams in the NFC. Bingo. A couple of things that changed during the day. We'll not focus too much on them because I think there's different things to talk about. Obviously, Daniel Jones now up for the season, ACL. I will say this, and I don't, I don't want to be too critical. I liked, and I wasn't on the field yesterday, but I, I liked how the field looked. It did look a lot better than last year. Uh, the field in Frankfurt was installed specifically for the NFL players were complaining about Munich. But when you see Daniel Jones, Michaela, go down with a non-contact injury, this is not, he's not the first player this happened to this year. He probably won't be the last. His time in New York could could genuinely be over because the Giants fans have had enough. They were awful yesterday against the Raiders. Like, so bad. I watched, like, the first half on the plane and I was sitting going, how in the hell has this team got to this level? Um. I was joking earlier on in the afternoon thinking like, you know, maybe we'll eat our words with this, like everybody picking the Raiders and the picks, but the Giants... You did say that. Yeah. Like, did Daniel, do you think Daniel Jones is done or do you think he'll come back next season? Because after last year where they bring him back, I just don't know anymore, to be honest with you. Yeah, you see, it's kind of a hard one because even, you know, he's had a lot of pressure even since he was drafted. You know, he shouldn't have been drafted as high as he was. Um, There's definitely... He's 
would be in the bottom half of quarterbacks for me. No, I know you could probably go back in our podcast and you can pull up a video of me saying, you know, he's proven himself, which he did last season. But you also know that I'm a big fan of consistency. All you can say it about my quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I don't think Jalen Hurts should have got that big contract until he proved himself again this season. Consistency is the biggest thing for me. And so for them to give Daniel Jones that contract after one average year was a mistake. Um, I do think they'll probably try and trade him out of New York next season. Um, the only reason why I picked the Raiders, because obviously, you know, Josh McDaniels was fired. I thought the guys were a little bit hyped up now. Max Crosby seemed to be very happy about the interim head coach. Um, I genuinely forgot Daniel Jones was going to be back in the game. I thought he was still injured from the neck or the back, whatever he had recently. Um, if I had known that Daniel Jones was going to be a star, I probably would have picked the Giants. Um, I don't have any kind of faith in them going forward for the rest of the season. Um, I don't think they're going to fire Brian Dable because I think that would be very harsh because he won Coach of the Year last year. They are very good last year. But I think for them to step up and kind of get back into that era where, you know, they're beating the Patriots in Super Bowls, they need to change the quarterback position. Daniel Jones just isn't the answer. They need to trade him. They need to get him out of New York. I'm having a fresh start somewhere. He, like, realistically, he'd probably be... You know, he has to be in a system like Kyle Shanahan's system for him to succeed. You know, where you know Kyle Shanahan can make Brock Purdy look like, you know, the next best thing, like he's the next Tom Brady. He needs to be in a system like that for him to succeed. So I think what the Giants will have to look at, I think they'll need to look at trading him out of New York and they need to bring in someone and um, one of the biggest names that will be on the free agency next season for quarterbacks is Kirk Cousins. So I think they should definitely have a look at him. Um, yeah, look, so, so some of the things that have come up, um, just when you were discussing that, like, and this is obviously something that's come out on Monday, and we'll, we'll we'll move on swiftly. But Daniel Jones signed, and for people that are wondering, he signed an extension this year worth hundred around one hundred and sixty million dollars, and thirty six million signing bonus, ninety two guaranteed, an average annual salary of forty million dollars. But the most important point for fans is this: he got a base salary of one million. A signing bonus of nine million this year, and a few other things included in it. The the, the next level of that contract was into twenty twenty four, and he's got a dead cap hit of seventy million dollars. If they were, I mean, I don't think they cut him, and I don't honestly, I don't think they trade him. I think it financially, I think they're screwed for for twelve months. I think they'll sit him behind someone, Michaela. I think they'll bring in a rookie. I think they'll draft someone now, or maybe make a low end trade, and. Um, but it you know going on the financial figures the best potential out for them is to, to 2025 you're looking at around a 22.2 million dollar debt cap hit so time will tell i, I felt the same as you last year and um, he had a good season well he, he had an excellent season by his standards i still sort of raised my eyebrows at the money but i guess the whole conversation was well it's not that much in comparison to what some players are getting so i can see that and that's probably the going rate for quarterbacks now he got paid he got his money and He'll live off that the rest of his life. He's he going to be seven next year. Do I believe he'll be a starter again in the league? I, I don't at the moment, but I wish him the very, very best because I don't think it's right for anybody to have that injury and have to come back and, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, I think I think getting rid of Dayball would, would be madness. Um, so I, I, I hope they don't do that for their own sake. Um, right. One thing we need to talk about is CJ Stroud. 
The way that the Texans came back on Sunday was absolutely ridiculous. Like, genuinely unreal. He had a 147.8 passer rating. It was the highest single-game passer rating by a rookie quarterback in NFL history. He had 470 passing yards on the day. That's the most passing yards by a rookie in the game in NFL history. He was the youngest. I'm copying this off someone. He's the youngest ever player with at least 450 passing yards in a game and became only the sixth player in the history of the league to record at least 450 passing yards and five touchdown passes with no picks in a game. Now, I don't want to start crowning people nine weeks into a season. And I'm, I know about, say. I'm not talking about rookie of the year. I'm talking about something the Texans have needed for an, an awful long time. A consistent, long-term, high-end quarterback. He was unreal in Sunday, Miguel. Unreal. And that comeback was class to see. It was. And I, I'm looking at the stats here. Like, they didn't even have a rushing game like the, the Texans. Like, if you look at Singletary, only a 26 yards rushing. But you look at the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers... Like, you're looking at Baker Mayfield. Everyone knows I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan. You know, you're looking at his stats, you know, 21 to 30, 265 yards, two touchdowns. Mayfield didn't have a bad game at all. Like, you're kind of, like, I looked at that loss there and and before I even looked at the stats, I was like, oh, Mayfield must have threw a couple of picks if the Buccaneers lost. But no, he didn't. High-end game both sides. It was was a great game. Exactly. So, like, they both played very well. And I think, you know... I was very high in the Buccaneers at the start of the year. I think they went 3-0 and and they've just kind of fallen now a little bit. And I thought this was the game they needed to get back on, you know, on top of things, basically. And to be playing the Texans, who, you know, had a very, who everyone's kind of been very low on since, you know, they stopped playing Deshaun Watson. I, I genuinely think looking at how both CJ Shroud and Bryce Young have played, the Carolina Panthers seriously, seriously messed up. In not taking him. Now, I don't know what it is. Maybe the coaching, um, the new the head coach at the Texans is just a better fit for Stroud. Would Stroud be as good if Frank Reich was his, his head coach? I'm not too sure because I don't rate Frank Reich as, as a head coach. You know, he couldn't get it done in Indianapolis. You know, the Carolina Panthers still have the worst, one of the worst records in the league. They might be picking top again this year if they have, if they have the pick. I'm not sure what the draft order is like. But you know, would CJ Stroud be as good? I'm not too sure, but he's in a great system. He's in an up-and-coming team, and I'm very, very excited to see how the rest of the season goes for him. I think he's, like, five touchdown passes is unbelievable for a rookie. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think the Panthers have made the mistake by, by drafting Bryce Young over Stroud. Stroud has just proven himself more. The big rumor coming out of Germany this weekend that I texted you about this was that it's the Panthers playing next year um, against someone. I actually think they'll go for like a low-end game next year to see what the fans are like. But I don't want to write off Bryce Young just yet. I think the transition from college football to, to the NFL is ridiculous. That's, that's why I'm not I'm not writing him off. Oh, yeah, no, I, said, no, I, yeah, I, yeah. I could it could be Frank like Frank Reich. Like I said, I don't rate him as a head coach. It definitely could just be his coaching style you know Bryce you know they're not a good fit I think if someone else comes into the Panthers you know I think it's kind of like what happened with um Trevor Lawrence um 
you know, his first year head coach was abysmal, Urban Meyer, and that, thank you. And then they brought in Doug Peterson and he just shot up. I think that's going to be the same for Bryce Young. I don't think you're going to see the best out of him until they get a better head coach in. But as of now, CJ Stroud was the better pick. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things. I, I've been watching the league 15 years and what I've seen from watching back on CJ Stroud last night, and I'm a Texans fan, I'm thinking, Holy Jesus. Now, he might have the next eight, last, last eight weeks of the season, he could have six bad ones. But he could still play decently in them. And, the, and I'd still be excited after seeing what I've seen from him. That was sensational. I am, and yeah, like I, I was going to mention Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. I think give Bryce a bit more time. Like, um, yeah, like there's a whole situation there with Frank Reich. The Panthers have one of the one of the richest owners in the whole league. So they'll get it done eventually. And do I the like, Texans still uh, have uh, the Texans still have Laramie Tunsil at tackle, don't they? Do they? Yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's one of those. Like he's a he's a great offensive line. If they like, even if they just have him Tunsil, you know, is one of the best tackles in the league. So if I'm a Texans fan, I'm very excited. You got your quarterback, and you got someone to protect them. And I see you sort of seen firsthand last year how D'Amico Ryan's head coach was appreciated in San Fran and obviously a former Texas player going in and really doing the business. We're not doing this timing justice because we're probably going to talk about one or two more things and we'll come back during the week as well. There was so much to talk about on the Sunday. Packers beating the Rams for me. Uh, Jordan Love looking really good in comparison to how he looked before. And I, I apologize to Packers fans for picking the Rams in that game. Uh, I think Cam Akers is out for the season as well. I've seen oh, certain God. things come out over the last few days as well with certain players. The, what you call it, Michaela, the the Ravens. God's all about the yeah. Ravens. Like, wow. Like, I, I don't want to start talking. I don't want to say the S word in the Washington district you. region, but I seen a great tweet earlier on from a guy from the ringer, Benjamin Solak, saying the 2023 Ravens defense is allowing a touchdown on only 8.7% of opposing drives. And there's only been one defense in the league that's ever been better since 2000. And that was the 2000 Ravens that won the Super Bowl. And that's on an average of 16 games. The Ravens have got eight games to go. They look really, really good. But offensively, Lamar Jackson's taking a step up. And for them to beat the Seahawks like that there is one thing. It's just uh, it's just incredible. F- feel free to talk about that if you want. And then uh, if you want to if you want to bounce into something like football, go for it as well. I would have to say, kind of, I, I'm looking at the Ravens and I'm very surprised, genuinely surprised a little bit how well they're playing. But I kind of have a different reaction to you in a sense of, I think the Seahawks are just kind of found out, you know, they're at the top of their division. They go in and play the Ravens. Like, that's their first big game that they're playing against a big powerhouse. So, to be honest, I think the Seahawks are just found out a little bit. The Seahawks aren't gonna be you know a divisional round playoff team they're gonna go to the wild card and get knocked out realistically depending on who they're playing and um, like if they're playing the Detroit Lions I said the Detroit Lions would knock them out in the playoffs but yeah I think for me it was more the Seahawks being found out that they're not a serious serious contender and when it comes to playing against the big dogs they'll lose and they'll lose mightily um I know uh, I'm a little bit excited about the Ravens, but I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself because the Ravens do what the Ravens do every year. They're kind of red hot during the regular season and then they can't get past the wild card. So I think they're one of the better teams in the league. They're probably easily top five, but I'll wait and see. If they get past the wild card, then I'll start getting excited. 
the Ravens' offensive line was excellent yesterday. It's been excellent over the last few weeks. I am very close to putting them up there in the top two. I think they're that good. Um, I think for the Seahawks, you, you got to feed DK Metcalf more. I, I wouldn't write them up just yet, but I think, like, look, the Lions... They're going to they're gonna have a nice season, but they're not going to be, like, you know, the Lions or the 49ers or the Eagles. You know, I think they're I, just... I think in the playoffs, I think in, if, if it came to Detroit against Seattle in the playoffs, I think Seattle could give, give a run for the money. I think if Seattle went in as an away team in a divisional, or a divisional game, I think they could cause an upset depending on who they get. I do think the NFC is not as good as the AFC, and I think the Seahawks mm. have got players there in the run game and and more so on this defense. But I I think they could make a play later on. It just it just depends. It's it's having it's having all those cards sort of stack up for you and, and go that way as well. I am um, I'll probably go through Sunday night football with Jeff because we we got a bounce in like a minute. But it, was there anything that you enjoyed from Week Nine, Michaela, as well? I'm what I'm really just excited about for week nine is the Bengals are kind of you know back on track you know Joe Burrow had a decent well he had he got a lot of yards he got nearly 350 yards two touchdowns you know Josh Allen is kind of not you know I'm always kind of looking and watching his stats he's not you know the top MVP kind of have you seen their schedule in the next few weeks it's actually atrocious like it is atrocious as in it's going to be very hard is it yeah they could have a nine eight season that's how bad it in my opinion it is it really... like the Bengals are five and three like they're back on like five and three is is excellent like i think that that's what the dallas cowboys are as well you know the, the Bengals did this last year they started off poorly and then they just shot up and they just been playing well and i'd rather teams start off poorly then do what the Miami Dolphins did last year, which is start off real red hot and just kind of stutter towards the end. Um, I'm very high up on the Bengals again. The Bills, I think they're not in it this year. I think, you know, they might get to the divisional and get knocked out, but I'm glad that the Bengals are back on track and they might prove me right in a Super Bowl prediction because I said they'd win it. Joe Burrow's been on fire. I gotta love you, Olivia, because I've got like a plethora of podcasts, but I'm buzzing that we got this done. And I'm just, you know, sorry, sorry for the wait to get this done. And we will be back Monday morning football next week. I don't know if it'll be proper format. I don't know if Michaela or Connor will be hosting. We haven't had that discussion yet, but we will see the crack. Michaela, I'm still gonna convince you to go to this Patriots game on Sunday to see the legendary Bill Belichick. Uh, but for now. Thank you so much. Folks, uh, presented by 88 Sports, the official betting partner of the NFL in Ireland and the UK. Uh, enjoy Monday Night Football between the Jets and the Chargers. Me and Michaela both play the Jets. So we will chat to you soon. God bless. 